Well, uh, this morning, I uh, let, let me tell you this before I get into my message. Um, you know, the Lord gave me this message, and I actually had seven or six pages of notes on this message um, that I almost completely deleted because on purpose, because uh, I was trying to write this message a certain way, and this message is on trust and obedience this morning, because I believe that the Lord is uh, wanting to uh, do something in the body in this, in this harvest of souls that are coming in, not only here at Calvary, but also uh, all across uh, the world, and so um, I believe that the Lord is taking us into a new level of trust and obeying, uh, trusting and obeying him. However, when I was writing this message, I wrote it a little differently because I wrote it from a perspective that, uh, that God actually didn't want. So that's why I deleted everything. Because when the Lord speaks, you should listen and trust and obey. Amen? So, uh, so this morning, um, I am giving you what the Lord gave me. And so... Uh, I said this in first service, and again, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but no one stopped me from saying it uh, the second time, so I'm going to say it. I don't want anybody's uh, spiritual panties to get in a twist this morning over the, uh, I don't want you to, here's what I mean, I don't want you to get religious about this. Listen, the Lord has a sense of humor. Uh, He's the one who created it, and so uh, let's just let's just be real and and let's uh, get into this message. So, my message title to you this morning is "Who's Your Daddy?" <laughs> Who's your daddy? So, uh, this is a slang expression uh, that takes form uh, of a rhetorical question, and it's commonly used as a boastful claim of dominance over the intended listener. Now. Uh, I know this is a, I said it's a rhetorical question, which a rhetorical question is a question that is asked for mere effect. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't um, need an answer. However, I believe that this morning, God is asking the question so that you seriously think about what your answer is. And by the end of this message, I, I, I and the Lord hope that you will have uh, a change of heart and run directly into the arms of your heavenly Father. I also believe this, that God is boasting his claim of dominance over us. Listen, God is sovereign. That means he is in control of everything. Too many times we try to be in control of our lives, we try to be in control of other people's lives, or we allow other people to be in control of our lives. And the Lord is saying, listen, I'm in control of your life. I'm your heavenly father. I'm your daddy. And so uh, we need to embrace that perspective this morning. Uh, You know, God is always trying to get us to look at things through his eyes and his point of view. And the scriptures actually say that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. That's good news because that means we can have the perspective of God. Amen? We can have the perspective of God. And listen, a, a lot of 
men are really uncomfortable with us saying uh, God is our daddy or our father, or usually our daddy, because most of the time, that's kind of a, a girl thing, a woman thing, right? But listen, listen to me, men. Uh, you're called the bride of Christ. That's what the word says. So if you can get comfortable with the bride of Christ, you can get comfortable with calling God your daddy, right? Amen. <laughs> so... Um, since we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, we can have the perspective of God. And ever since Jesus stepped foot on the earth uh, 2,000 years ago, um, and how many of you know that Jesus is alive today? Amen? Amen. He didn't just stay in, on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave, but he's actually alive today. So ever since Jesus first stepped foot as a human on this earth, and ever since then, he has revolutionized and, and uh, has brought back the original intent of the creator-creation uh, relationship. Because here's what I believe. I believe that the Lord is, uh, is always trying to bring us back to original intent before the fall. And uh, also the scriptures say that we go from glory to glory. So guess what? Uh, Original intent and then some, amen? So, um, so because, he, uh, because he wants to bring us back to original intent of the creator and creation relationship, um, that means that God wants to be our father. Because listen, fathers are creators, right? I believe that the primary way that the Lord wants to reveal himself to all humanity is as a father. That's why God sent his son for us as, as an example. He longs for us as a father to enter into sonship. John 1, 10 through 13 says this, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. That is, that is the Lord's will for every single person on the face of this planet. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to have everlasting life. And he wants to reveal himself to this broken world as a loving father. I want to make this first point this morning. Who we trust and obey determines whose child we are. Let me read that again. Who we trust and obey determines whose child we are. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. <clears throat> now I want to ask you a question here. and You don't have to show me your hands. But how many of you are being led by the Spirit of God every single day? 
Because, here's why I ask. If you're not being led by the Spirit of God, if you're not trusting and obeying His Spirit every day, are you His child? Because the script, this scripture says otherwise. So, if you're not his child, whose child are you? But this says, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Abba, in Hebrew, is actually an intimate term used for father, a.k.a. daddy. We need to know that he's our daddy. We need to know that he's a loving father. But he wants us to trust and obey him. If we're led by his spirit, that means we're children of God. If you're not a child of God, I would venture to say that you're a child of Satan. Let's, let's continue. 1 John chapter 3, 1 through 10. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what he will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live uh, in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they, uh, that they belong let me back up. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. But who has been sinning, uh, who has been sinning since the beginning? But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. We find out here in the scripture that the byproduct of trust or faith and obedience is sonship. If you're a son or a daughter of God, you trust and obey him. If you're not, this scripture, this scripture says that you're a child of the devil. Man, I want to be a child of God. Here's what I believe, church. I believe that the Lord is taking us into a new, uh, a, a new moment in time. And, and we either choose to trust and believe in him or we don't. There's no gray area. Too many times we think that there's this gray area and there, it doesn't exist. 
We're for him or we're against him. We need to choose to trust and obey him. We need to choose whose child we really are, whose children we really are. I thought it was uh, pretty funny when I was thinking about all this. Um, you know, when, you're, when your kid's acting up somewhere and, uh, and you say, you look at your spouse and you say, that kid's not mine. Or, or, or you say, uh, I'm sorry, I messed it up. See, I ruined it, but you still laughed, so that's good. Um, you say, uh, honey, get your kid. You know what I'm talking about. Get your kid. It's acting a fool. Um, or, or you say, uh, yeah, that's from your side of the family. That ain't me. And, uh, That leads me to my next point. Children imitate what their parents live out. Because maybe they are imitating you. They're your child. They trust and obey you. Therefore, they're doing what you're doing. John 12, 49 says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. That's Jesus speaking. John uh, 5, 19, it says, "So so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing Whatever the father does, the son also does. Children imitate their parents. They live out what they see. I'm going to take this a step further. Because Christians in general have a call to the world. We have a responsibility as children of God to the world to imitate Christ. Look at this. Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, 11.1 says this. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's a high call. Because just as we imitate Christ as children of God, others are supposed to imitate us. If you're not a parent in here, somebody's following you. Somebody's following you. Who are you imitating and who's that person imitating as you imitate them? It matters. You know, to the world, when we act like the world, when we live out of the flesh instead of walking in the spirit, We look like undisciplined, snot-nosed brats. That's what we look like as children of God to this world. When we, I I just heard a story the other day, and someone was uh, coming out of church, and they flipped 
someone else the bird. Not our church. Thank God. That would have been some counseling sessions there. For Pastor Otis, not me. Um, and the other person said, well, that's why I won't go to church. When we are undisciplined, when we are following other people other than Christ, we make a complete mess of ourselves and we look like undisciplined brats. Man, we need, to, we need to trust and obey what the word of God says. We need to trust and obey what the spirit of the Lord says to us who is the right now word of God. We need to know who our father is. So I ask you again, who is your daddy? Who is your father? Who have you been imitating? Some of us have imitated our earthly parents. Now, I'm going to tell you just a quick story. And this isn't a knock on my parents, by the way. I love them. I honor them. But how many of you know we live in a broken world? Now, I didn't grow up in church. I came here as a young man at 15. And... So now that I have daughters, I have a, a, a three-year-old um, daughter and an eight-month-year-old. No one caught that. <laughs> an eight-month-old daughter. And, um, and they're awesome. And every time, like, I, I caught myself doing something, and my, my wife was actually the one who pointed it out because I, I didn't even think about it, really. I just did it. And that is when my three-year-old would do something that she shouldn't be doing, I would yell at her. And uh, my wife would say, you can't yell at her. She doesn't understand why you're yelling at her. It doesn't, not going to do anything. And some of you now think I'm Satan because I yelled at my kid and you guys are like, holy. It's all good. But... But in those moments, I was just imitating what I've seen. Again, it's not a knock on my parents. It's just what they've seen. And so I want to ask you, are you imitating Christ? Because let me tell you something, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus would have all the patience in the world. I believe he disciplines us as children. But he does it completely different than we would do it. So who are you imitating? Is it what you've seen? What you've heard? Are you truly imitating Christ? Are you truly being made into the new creation that God has made you to be? Because that's where we need to get, church. 
Why does he want that? It's because he wants to take our children and our spiritual children to new heights. He wants, uh, he wants them to be able to reap the fullness of life that God has intended us to live and be in in our human experience. So we need to begin to, to not only know who our father is, but to imitate him. Next point, when you trust the Father, you'll obey him. When you trust the Father, you'll obey him. Why? Because when you choose to trust God, you are able to see his goodness. If you never step out in trust and obedience, you'll never be able to see the goodness of God. There's a song, uh, it's, you, the, the lyrics are, you don't have to come, but you always do. You show up in splendor and you change the whole room. And I love that song. Because, because when God steps into the room, he changes everything. And, and it's not because of his rules. It's not because of his discipline. It's because of his goodness as a father. And we need, to, we need to trust and obey him. He knows what's, what's right. We don't. There's another song, and I don't like it as much. <laughs> and probably you guys know it, Good, Good Father. You're a good, good father to you all. I don't like that. You know why? It's a good song. Here's the problem with that song. It's overplayed. We beat it to death. But it's true. He's a good father. He's a good father. His, his goodness has nothing to do with your goodness. He loves you. I just feel all around this room that you need to know that even when you are going through something horrible, even in your darkest hour, God is good and you need to start saying it and you need to start uh, thinking it and you need to start believing it, that God is truly good because it's, it will change everything for you. Let me read you Psalm 84, 10 through 12. It says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. He's not withholding things from you. You need to know that. Sometimes we think the Lord is withholding from us and he's actually protecting us. You're not gonna give your child candy all day every day because you know it's bad for them. Maybe the thing you've been asking for is really bad for you and the God... And God, your father, wants to keep you safe from harm, and so he's not giving it to you. 
but you think he's just being stingy. Man, you have a wrong perspective of God because he's good. What joy for those who trust in you. Psalm 34, uh, 1 through 11 says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all, uh, let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and freed me from all my fears. Why? Because he's good. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Why? Because he's good. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will not lack a good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. You can trust him. You can obey him. You can know that he's for you and he loves you. He's not withholding from you. You know, I was thinking about this. Man, fathers love rewarding their children. They love it. So how much more would God, our heavenly father, love to reward us? He wants us to be full of joy. Why? Because when we're joyful, it brings him joy. He doesn't want to see you in pain. So he's not withholding something from you. He may be protecting you, but he loves you. His goodness abounds. Next point, when you obey the Father, you'll trust him. Why? Because when you step out in faith, when you step out in trust and obey him, you're able to see his faithfulness. Every time I've stepped out in obedience to God, He's come through for me every single time, which makes me trust him all the more because I know that the Lord is faithful. I know that he's for me. And you need to know that he's for you and that he's faithful and that he will come through for you because he's good, because he loves you, because he's your father. I found that that most of the church, they don't have a lack of knowledge of the Bible, but they do have this one thing. They have an obedience problem. They're disobedient. We know a lot about the Bible, but we're not applying it to our lives. We're not trusting and obeying him. We're not being led by his spirit. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 10, it says this. This is the... Uh, Israelites, talking about the Israelites. For you are a holy people 
who belong to the Lord your God of all the people on the earth. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant, he keeps his promises for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. But he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. This is talking to the Israelites, but I want you to know that through Christ we're grafted in. So this is a word that applies to us. He keeps his promises to those who love and obey him. But he has no problem punishing and destroying those who reject him. There's so much grace. I need you to know that. There's so much grace for us. He loves us, but he wants us to trust and obey him. He wants us to be his children. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19. This is talking again, going back and talking about the Israelites. It says, and who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. The Israelites were not able to enter the promised land for a very long time. Why? Because they locked themselves out of God's promise. They locked themselves out through distrust and disobedience to God. I want to tell you this morning, do not lock yourself out of the promises of God. Don't do it. You are not locked out. Here's what God wants. Want, God wants us to be locked in, not locked out. Some of you have felt like you've been locked out of his kingdom for a long time, but the Father is saying with open arms this morning, come into my house. Come into my house, son. Come into my house, daughter. That's what he's saying to you right now. And he wants to lock you in because he wants to bring you into a safe place. 
safe from harm, safe from all, all the things in the world that, that would harm you as your father. John 3, 35 through 36 says, the father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life but remains under God's angry judgment. I believe that the Lord wants to, you uh, to walk through a door this morning and the door's name is Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. The scriptures say that he doesn't want anyone, he doesn't want anyone to, he wants, he wants everyone to have eternal life. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Here's the key to no one perishing. They have to choose him. Let me ask you something. How good does it feel when your, parent, when your, when your child or your, or your grandchild comes up to you when there are many other choices in the room, but they come running to you and you pick them up in your arms. How good does that make you feel? God wants to do the same thing as your father this morning. He wants you to choose him. He wants you to run into his arms. I'm probably gonna be the first pastor to ever do this, but I'm gonna attach a message titled, Who's Your Daddy and Forrest Gump to an Altar Call. <laughs> you know, I, my wife and I took our three-year-old daughter to see Frozen 2 last night, which was really epic. It's really good. And uh, we came back to the house, and my father-in-law is actually watching Forrest Gump. And I come into the, the room at the point where uh, Forrest finds out that he has a son with Jenny. And, um, and I can't remember what preceded this, but Forrest is looking at the back of his son's head, and he just found out that this is his son. And he looks at the back of his head, and he says, He's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I went in, I went in and tucked my daughter in, and I just looked at her. And I just looked at her, and I, and I was getting weepy over Forrest Gump. <laughs> and, uh, and I just looked at her, and, and I said, I just thought to myself, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And um, you need to know this morning that God is looking at you with those same eyes as a father. And he's looking at you and he's saying, son, daughter, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. He loves you. He wants you to trust and obey him, and it's for your good.